0: Turn your Bibles, if you will. We're going to be starting off in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. And we are going to finish up this incredible journey that we've been on, studying forgiveness. And with that, as you're turning to Matthew 6, how do you insult a Christian? Any way you want, because we have to forgive you. Amen. So again, this morning we're going to wrap up um, this life-changing message on forgiveness. And last week, we began to dig a little bit deeper into the model prayer that Jesus gives us in the Word of God, in the Bible. Now, most of us, if not all of us, are familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Amen? But that familiarity also breeds complacency. As we fail to truly study what this incredible prayer truly means, what it really means. And let's, let's dig back in, skipping down to verse 9. Jesus said, and it's more of a command, he said, In this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord's Prayer. Now, first thing we looked at last week, we were understanding that the most important message— the the real foundation of the Lord's Prayer is forgiving our debtors, right? Jesus is not just giving us an example of a prayer. He's telling us this is how we need to pray. This is how the born-again believer needs to pray. He's teaching us what we need to pray about. And we see that magnified in verses 11 and 12, right? In verse 11, it says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. What is at the top of the list with our pleas? What is our first plea? Our need for daily bread and daily what? Forgiveness. Amen? That's at the top of the list that Jesus said, this is what we need to pray for. Our daily bread and our daily forgiveness. What's second? Our claim that we are doing what? Forgiving those who have hurt us, right? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As we forgive those who have hurt us. Our claim that we are forgiving those who have hurt us. Just as we cry out to God, right? We cry out to him, Lord, forgive us our debts, forgive us our sins. We're saying, Lord, let us off the hook for our sins. And we must do the same for those who have hurt us. Amen. If that's what we want from God, if that's the type of forgiveness that we want from God, that is the type of forgiveness that we have to offer to those who have hurt us. Now again, we need to understand that this is not a prayer for salvation, right? This is a prayer only for the born-again believer. Jesus is showing us how to pray because of who we are, right? Who are we? Well, we are a child of God, but... What were we before a child of God? A sinner. And we're still a sinner today. We're just a sinner saved by grace. Amen. Jesus is showing us our true nature. And God tells us that true nature in Ecclesiastes 7.20. He says, for there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Amen. That is our true nature. So then we looked at what the purpose of the Lord's Prayer is, and we have to go to 1 John chapter 1 for that. What is the the main purpose of the Lord's Prayer? In 1 John 1, skipping down to verse 5, it says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and then we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So the purpose of the Lord's Prayer is an appeal to keep us in fellowship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Because God is light. That means he is completely holy. He is completely pure. He is completely righteous. That means that our sins have to be dealt with. There's no other way around it. We don't want God to throw the book at us when we sin, and yet what do we do when someone sins against us? We throw the book at them, don't we? Right? We throw the book at them. And we need to understand that this prayer is designed to keep us from doing that. This prayer is designed to keep us from being self-righteous. Because when we throw the book at someone who has hurt us, what are we being? Self-righteous, right? We want God to forgive us and not throw the book at us, but we're going to turn around and do the opposite to someone who hurts us. That's self-righteousness. And we look back at that prayer and we skip down to verses uh, 14 and 15, Matthew 6. Jesus said, For if you forgive men their trespasses, their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You see, those two verses, that is our path to stay in fellowship with God. Amen? That is how we stay in fellowship with God, and that is the true purpose of the Lord's Prayer. So now we also have to consider bitterness, right? The darkness of bitterness. We go into on 1 John 1 6. The second verse of that verse that we read He said, If we say that we have fellowship with Him, And walk in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. The bottom line is what God is saying here. If I hold on to bitterness, if I hold on to those grudges, then I'm allowing darkness into my life and into my heart. And when I do that, I'm no longer able to walk in the light. Why? Because light and darkness cannot be in the same place at the same time. Amen? It's impossible. Light and darkness cannot abide together. So if I'm choosing to hang on to that bitterness and hang on to those grudges, then I'm allowing darkness into my heart and into my life, and therefore I can no longer walk in the light. What does that make me? That makes me out of fellowship with God because He is where? He is in the light. He is the light. So now I'm out of fellowship with God. No matter how we are hurt, whether it's intended or unintentional, whether that person meant to hurt us or they didn't mean to hurt us, we must forgive either way. Amen? It's completely against our old nature. It's completely against this flesh that we're wrapped around. It's supernatural. Amen? Amen? And we must learn to lean on Almighty God in order to do it. Plain and simple. So, now that leads us into that question. What if we don't forgive? Right? What if we don't forgive? We'll go to Ephesians chapter 2, real quick. Skipping down to verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves... It is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any of us should boast. Right? We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We're not saved by doing good works. Right? We're not saved by by doing good things. But we are required to do good things, to do good works, to do good deeds after we are saved. Look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. Amen? We're not saved by good works. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But once we are saved, we are expected to do good works. Amen? In Christ. And there is hardly a greater work that we can do than what? Forgive. Amen? There is hardly a greater work that we could ever do than that is to forgive. Even though we cannot lose our salvation if we fail to forgive, we have to understand that there are deep consequences that we're going to pay because we fail to forgive. Amen? See, many aspects of our relationship with God are not changeable, right? They don't change no matter what. But Some aspects of our relationship with God are completely conditional, which means they're based on our choices. Uh, For example, let me start off with salvation, right? Salvation is completely unconditional. However, our fellowship with God after salvation is conditional, right? Once we are saved, the moment of salvation, we put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He is the author and finisher of our faith. This will never change. Amen? That is completely unconditional. However, unconfessed sin, especially that of unforgiveness, that will keep us out of fellowship with God and forfeit daily blessings. Amen? So our salvation is unconditional, but our fellowship is conditional. Justification is the same thing. Justification is unconditional. But our filling with God's Holy Spirit is conditional. right? I want to make sure we understand the difference of indwelling and filling. The moment of salvation, the Bible tells us that we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. One indwelling. However, in our daily walk, our daily Christian walk with God, there are many fillings of His Holy Spirit. Amen? Harboring bitterness, holding on to grudges, failing to forgive, these all grieve God's Holy Spirit that abides inside of us and keeps him from filling us with his Spirit. Amen? We understand that? Thirdly, staying a child of God is unconditional, but our closeness to Christ is is conditional. Romans 8, 17. If children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Christ, that we may also be glorified together. You see, that is 100% secure, being a child of God. Amen? However, our sinful choices... When in our daily walk, if we sin and we choose to sin, those sinful choices move us away from his precious side. Amen? Because once we allow sin into our life, we're no longer walking in the light. We're walking in the darkness and we have to move from his side, which is in the light. Make sense? You think about King David. After he sinned. With Bathsheba, he committed murder. In the 51st Psalm, he cried out. What did he cry out? He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Why? Because sin had caused him to move away from God. To move away from his precious Savior's side. And he no longer felt that joy, that daily joy. That daily gift of God's joy. Fourthly. Eternity in heaven for a believer is unconditional, but receiving rewards in heaven is completely conditional. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So once we are saved, our eternal destination in heaven is secure forever and ever. Amen? We understand that. However, whether or not we receive rewards is conditional. 1 Corinthians 3, picking up in verse 11. For there is no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid in Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. Do you see it's, it's in descending order of value and also strength, right? Gold, silver, precious stones, and then wood, hay, and straw. Now, it's important we understand that succession, Now, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, talking about judgment day, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned... He will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Okay, do we understand that? So everything that we do for Christ, there's a reward attached. If we do it with the proper motives, then our reward will be gold, silver, precious stones. But if we're doing it for recognition, for a pat on the back, you know, for, for someone to, you know, recognize what we did then our motives aren't pure and our reward is here. The reward in heaven will then be what? Wood, hay, and stubble. What happens when you put fire to those things? They burn up. But if you put hot fire to gold, silver, precious stone, what happens? They may melt, change form, but nothing happens to its value. Amen? So we need to understand that Uh, Once we are saved, our eternal destination is secure. But what we do for Christ after salvation will determine whether we receive rewards in heaven or not. And those rewards, they're not for us. They're for who? They're for Christ. We get those rewards so that we can lay them at His feet. Amen? So when we think about it, forgiveness truly is golden. Amen. So next thing I want us to understand about the Lord's Prayer is that God hates, and I know that's strong language, but it's exactly what the Bible says. God hates an unforgiving spirit. Amen. Plain and simple. Now let me outline why. First and foremost, it shows indifference to one of God's greatest works. Right? Jesus suffered and he died for our redemption. To be forgiven of our sins is the greatest thing ever. Amen? We need to understand that there is nothing greater than for us to be forgiven of our sins. Amen? He did for us what we didn't deserve. Jesus didn't die for us because we were so great and we were so wonderful. The Bible says in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He did for us what we didn't deserve. So what do we have to do in return? We also have to place that same forgiveness. Pass that same forgiveness onto those who hurt us and don't deserve it either. Amen. Second reason why God hates an unforgiving spirit is it interferes with God's reconciliation. You see, God's heart desire is to reconcile himself with lost sinners like us, right? And he has also given us the ministry of reconciliation. When Jesus died for us, we were saved by grace, and our sins were forgiven. When we fail to forgive others, this interferes with God's purpose of reconciliation, right? We have to understand that God's heart's desire is to reconcile himself to every sinner like us. Third reason. God despises ingratitude. Matthew chapter 18 gives us a blaring example of that ingratitude. Skip down to verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and he said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? He said, seven times. And Jesus said to him, I don't say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And we had, when he had begun to settle accounts, one who was brought to him, who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, we need to understand, in Bible times, 10,000 talents is a debt that would be impossible to pay. Amen? That is a massive number that this servant would never come up, you know, an amount that he could never come up with. So understand that. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had so that payment could be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the entire debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, when you compare 10,000 talents, a debt just impossible to pay, with this hundred denarii, which might have been like $2 in our day. It was a very small amount. He laid hands on him, and he took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. But he would not, and went and threw him in a prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved, and they came and they told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you. You see, God is fully aware of all of our dark and ugly sins that he has forgiven us of. Amen. So when we say that I can't forgive them for what they've done to me, it's a complete slap in God's face. Bottom line, it is complete ingratitude for all that God has done for us. Amen. Having an unforgiving spirit begins with resentment. It causes us to hold on to that grudge. And we become bitter inside and angry outside. Amen? We don't want to accept the fact that that person who hurt us is going to get away with what they did to us. That resentment replays what they did to us over and over and over in our mind. And what that does, it it leads us to want revenge instead of offering forgiveness. In actuality, what it does, it turns us into that unforgiving servant in Matthew 18. Amen? So I want to close with this last thought. We need to understand the consequences of an unforgiving spirit. We go back to the Lord's Prayer. Right after that, Jesus made those statements. He says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But then he said, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. What exactly is Jesus saying here? What exactly does he mean by that? Well, first and foremost, he's letting us know that we grieve his Holy Spirit, right? Ephesians four thirty tells us not to grieve God's Holy Spirit. We are not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Our relationship with God's Holy Spirit ought to be a daily priority for all of us. Amen. When we grieve the Holy Spirit, it distorts our thinking. It distorts our judgment. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to cope with life every day. Amen? He's the one who enables us to cope with all these horrific things that go on around us. It's His still, small voice that convicts us. It's His still, small voice that guides us. He's the one that keeps us walking in the light. Amen? Secondly... If we fail to forgive, then we are left to ourselves. Amen? Again, when we fail to forgive, it leaves us out of fellowship with God. And this leaves us to try to cope with our problems in our own strength. Try to cope with this dark and sinful world in our own strength. Proverbs 14.14 says, The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways. That means we are left to ourselves. We are left to our flesh. We're left to our old nature. That means our capability and probability to sin is given free reign. Amen? Amen. This also opens the door for Satan to enter into our life. We're giving him an invitation to come and enter into our life. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us. Amen? The us he's talking about is the born-again believer. Lest Satan should take advantage of us. Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 26 and 27 says, Be not angry, or be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, your anger, your resentment, nor give place to the devil. So what happens when we hold on to grudges? We give place to who? Satan. Amen? We give place to Satan. He will pounce on us. And he will exploit our unforgiving spirit. He will play on our self-pity. He will play on our self-righteousness. He will give us every justification not to forgive that person. He will take us down a road of enormous regret. We cannot afford to let bitter cause us to be left to ourselves and open up the door to Satan. Amen? Third consequence of an unforgiving spirit. We force God to become our enemy. Now I know most of us, as a born-again believer, can't conceive even saying that, can we? That God is our enemy. Go to James chapter 4, and we're going to close with this. Verse 1. Where do wars and fights Come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members, that war in our flesh? You lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. Remember Jesus' definition of those things. He says, If we have hatred in our heart, then we've murdered our brother, right? You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. When we choose not to forgive What are we doing? We're exalting ourselves above God. Because we're judging that person. God is the only judge. Amen? We've been saying this over and over. God is the only one worthy to be judged. He is the only one righteous. He is the only one just that can be judged. And when we fail to forgive, we exalt ourselves above God. We take his crown off of his head as judge, and we put it on our own. A position that we're not capable of holding. Again, God and God alone is righteous and pure and just. He is the only one capable of passing a just uh, judgment. He is the only one who will do right every single time. We have to trust in him. Trust in the fact that he will clear our name and he will deal with that one who hurt us. Amen. Vengeance is God's, not ours. Now, I want to be clear here, especially with the things that we see going on in the world today. God is not saying that we're not to defend ourselves. Amen. That's not, that's separate from forgiveness. If someone is coming at you and trying to harm you or your family, you absolutely defend you or yourself and your family. It's after the fact. That person that tried to hurt you or did hurt you or hurt your family, you offer forgiveness after the fact, but you still defend yourself. Amen? Christians are not doormats. We're children of God. And we have the right to defend ourselves just as the nation of Israel has a right to defend their self. Amen? Amen? So, I want to make sure we understand the difference. But if we choose to play judge over God, we choose to be his enemy. Jesus said very clearly do not judge and you won't be judged, but judge and you will be judged. It's that simple. Amen? Sounds harsh. But I want us to understand that there's a lot of tenderness there as well. Listen to that whole verse. Listen to exactly what Jesus said. He said, If you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your who? Your father. Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. You see, that tenderness is found in those two words. Your father. God is still our Heavenly Father no matter how many times we fail, no matter how many times we fall. Amen? He is still our Heavenly Father. Jesus gave us this prayer to appeal to us to forgive. Just as we are forgiven. To appeal to us to stay in fellowship with Him. To walk daily in His light. I want to close with a thought that was actually shared with me by my wife. You see, the test, the true test of a Christian isn't loving Jesus Christ. The true test of a Christian is loving Judas. Amen. Forgive those who don't deserve it.